Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. I'm Joey Pizzolatto, editor of Auto Finance News, and joining me is Amanda Harris, associate editor. This is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending June 25th, 2021. As always, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Agora Data, Alpha, Defy Solutions, Market Scan, and Struck and Struck and Levon for their continued support. In general news, U.S. Person, personal spending slowed in May, according to the Commerce Department data released on Friday. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, which the Federal Reserve officially uses for its inflation target, rose 0.4%. The Core Price Index, which is, excludes food and energy, increased 3.4% year-over-year in May, the largest increase since 1991. Inflation concerns continue to dominate the news cycle, Although the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has maintained that inflation is transitory, even, it is seen, even if it has seen a larger than anticipated increase. The Fed also started talking last week about taping its economic stimulus. In other news, Morgan Stanley strategist Andrew Sheets said last week that the 2004 recession may be the best yardstick by which to measure our current economic landscape. According to Sheets, the 2004 economy offers the best comparison to our current mix of fiscal easing, high consumer savings, low interest rates, higher inflation, and a tightened labor market. In auto finance, we had quite the range of stories last week, from CarMax Auto Finance's fiscal first quarter 2022 earnings to Wells Fargo increasing its financing allowance for GAP products to LendBus securing $360 million in equity and debt funding. Let's start with CarMax Auto Finance. Amanda, you know, what was the upshot from their, their earnings report? Sure. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway was that they did see, you know, their biggest origination quarter um, in basically in the company's history from what we know from their leadership. So their originations went up 150% year over year um, at $2.5 billion. Um, so, of course, some of that was obviously, you know, just we've seen a lot of hint of demand from the pandemic. So we know that that's driving it. And this is very in line with what we saw um, with the rest of our earnings from the recent season that everyone's kind of been up pretty much across the board um, because we know that consumer demand is just so high. Um, so we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, stay tuned for more coverage on what could be changing in that soon. Um, but yeah, so they this is the first ever quarter they were above $2 billion. Um, of course, CarMax has an online presence as well as physical, you know, dealerships. So I'm sure that is helping too. They can kind of capture both sides of this to consumers who want more online um, with the pandemic and people who still want to go to a dealership. Um, so I think that just says a little bit about, you know, consumer habits um, and the fact that they seem to be capitalizing on some of those changes um, and the people who are going back into the market after kind of sitting out when, when things are closed. Um, and part of also what the was driving that was just the super low cost right now of funding. Um, CarMax also saw their you know, net interest margin uh, improve quite a bit. Um, it jumped about 100 basis points, 6.9% of receivables. Um, so that was another thing that kind of drove some of their success in that quarter. Um, 
So yeah, just a couple of different things that kind of point to what we've kind of been seeing in the industry. Yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of, you know, size, like a couple billion in originations is pretty good. You know, granted, if, if you if you were to measure that, you know, say from, you know, the nation's top auto lenders when, you know, the demand was, was really surging, um, you know, I think GM Financial had originations upwards over 10 billion uh, for the quarter. Um, so, you know, this is, like you said, it's definitely a trend that, that we're, we're seeing. And um, with earnings for the second quarter right around the corner, um, it will be interesting to see whether or not that trend continues. I know demand um, is still pretty high, but, you know, I think there's an expectation that that tapers a bit, um, maybe potentially after the July 4th holiday um, and everybody kind of goes into summer vacation mode. Yeah, and with inventory. So that's kind of like the big thing too, is just supplies getting more and more tight instead of improving. So that obviously has ramifications. And like I said, consumers want them, but if they can't find what they're looking for, me included, <laughs> um, then, then, you know, they can't make it sell. Like if I'm not, you know, if I can't find the car I'm looking for, then I'm not gonna just buy anyone, right? Um, I'm someone who keeps one for a while, so I don't wanna make the wrong purchase. So I'm sure a lot of other people are in the same boat. Um, and CarMix might also benefit just because they, they tend to, you know, they carry a range of brands and styles and they do have like certified uh, pre-owned. So they, they have a kind of ability to get a little bit into that inventory and get cars from consumers. Um, and so that might help them have a little bit of a leg up just because they can address that supply issue a little bit quicker, I feel like, than like a Toyota dealership or a Honda dealership because they're obviously only buying that they want like a used Toyota vehicle. Not necessarily going to go there and see like a, another brand on their lot. So I think that, that we might start seeing more from CarMax, Carvana, like those kind of retailers that have a mix. Um, not that they'll outshine the, the big ones. Those are always going to be the leading ones, but just I think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with some of these smaller players. Absolutely. And I think, you know, once you um, actually do start buying a car, you're going to have to take some extensive notes and write about it. We'll see what happens. And now I can't even find one like <laughs> I like so far. So we'll see. Well, when you do, when you do, there's no yeah. rush. Yeah. You know, another thing, I'm not sure if we have, if you have the numbers in front of you, Amanda, um, but, you know, the F&I um, revenue, we, you know, over, over the, I'm not sure what it was like at CarMax, but, you know, we've seen it other, you know, dealership chains um, shift also, you know, F&I revenue has been kind of, um, kind of through the roof um, and, you know, largely uh, because we uh, increasing in Gap products, which are Gap, the cost of Gap products, excuse me. Um, and, you know, that, that prompted Wells Fargo last week to increase uh, their allowance for financing um, on Gap products to $1,200. Um, you know, I spoke with a, a dealer last week as well, and he said that, you know, maybe five years ago, you could, you could get Gap products for like a third of that price, um, upwards to like half, um, you know, maybe four, the 450 to 750 range. Um, so, you know, the cost of those products are going up, which I would anticipate, you know, if other lenders follow suit, we'll also see um, an increase in that. And, you know, we know that those are our large drivers of, of revenue for both dealerships and um, to, you know, increase the cost um, that, or the dollar amount financed um, on these contracts. 
So, you know, that might be an interesting thing, especially as we um, kind of keep an eye on affordability concerns, um, you know, whether or not borrowers are going to be underwater for longer periods of time. Um, you know, I have a feeling that that could, um, you know, combined, combined with high transaction prices, combined with um, increasing cost of cap products, I have a feeling that that, you know, could, could really set up the industry for, for more, more affordability concerns down the line. For sure. And then our last story last week was on LendBuzz. Um, they secured $350 million in equity and debt funding. Um, you know, if I remember correctly, that that dollar amount pretty eclipses um, any kind of, uh, you know, investments they, the, that lender has received, received in the past. But, you know, it's been a while since, um, you know, we've reported on LendBuzz. Len you know, they spoke at our at Auto Finance Summit in, in uh, 2019, um, but they've been kind of quiet now. So maybe we can just start with just a quick kind of, you know, refresher on who they are, what they're about. Sure. Um, so they are an auto lender, but they are tailored to and focused on um, foreign-born borrowers with thin credit history. So people who come into the United States, um, you know, to live and they may have had credit history in their home country, but they come here and they don't have a credit history as far as how it is measured over here. Um, so they don't have necessarily a FICO score or the same um, history that would be measured in a traditional, you know, credit review sense. Um, so what Limbus does is they use um, alternative data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to measure the credit worthiness of these consumers. Um, by looking at different metrics, so things like their educational background, their cash flow, their earning potential, um, just other things that would tell a lender whether or not this is um, someone they should lend to, kind of where they would fall, um, you know, without using like a, a FICO score necessarily. So it's a little different than the normal like subprime prime kind of uh, measurement, but it does give them an opportunity to, you know, look at to provide credit maybe in a little bit more fair way um, to these borrowers who would normally just be faced with higher interest rates because they don't have that typical FICO score. Um, so that kind of opens the door for them to, to be able to really measure like, well, how their credit worthiness and make sure they're giving them a fair rate based on um, all those other um, metrics. So that's kind of the gist of what they do. Um, so as far as size goes, just to give a little bit of uh, background, they do originate about 400 million in auto loans annually, um, and they have grown. That's up from about 100 million in 2019. So they've been growing um, just in the origination side. And then along with that, um, they did see a 200% year-over-year growth in origination volume so far this year. So they've grown again. Um, and so with that, they sought um, or they secured like an additional 360 million and debt and equity funding. Um, and that was through a couple of different um, partners. So a couple of different equity and funding rounds, um, but together 360 million, which brings their total up to um, just over 600 million in debt financing um, and 105 million in equity. So about 700 million that they've fundraised since about um, 2016 when they started uh, fundraising. Mm. Um, and so of course that allows them to, you know, and, obviously originate more loans for these borrowers, reach more of these borrowers within credit history, um, and then prioritize like investing in their algorithms and their technology um, in order to continue improving that 
Um, as we know, any lenders who rely on that are always, you know, kind of looking to improve those as things change in technology world every day. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the gist of what's happening with them. And I think if I remember correctly, um, our, our colleague Marcy Bellis did a, um, a one, one of the topics of her column earlier in the year was on um, investment in, in the auto finance sector. And I think back then a total investment was, you know, 300, maybe around 300 million, 350 million. I don't have the figure in front of me, somewhere around there. So, you know, this investment essentially doubles what we've seen um, in the, you know, currently in the, in the auto finance sector this year. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much more investment, uh, you know, these, these investment firms make in, in, in the sector. Um, I would imagine with the way the stock market has been performing this year, they, they, they all have, you know, um, a decent amount of capital to put to work. Um, and as long as, you know, the equities market continues to stay strong, um, I would imagine we would continue to see uh, more investment in auto finance. All right, well, that about does it for us this afternoon. Uh, please, we want all our readers, we want to hear from you, listeners, not our readers, well, hopefully both. Uh, we want to hear from you, rate the roadmap on whichever platform you use to listen to the roadmap and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.